0: And gentlemen, fellow homosexuals out there, please, I need you to believe me when I say that here at Dark Night of the Podcast, up until this point, it's all come down to this.
1: Wouldn't you say, Troy, this is the one? What? Oh, I was watching Shock, I'm sorry. <laughs> this is the one. Oh, uh, Troy,
0: what how are you? Man?
1: What did you make me do? <laughs> I made you
0: experience something True. that, I'll be honest, Troy, up until this point, I had never seen either. I, I'm not some, yeah, I'm not some shockma connoisseur. I've just been waiting, anticipating
1: I thought this was one of your favorite films when you suggested it. I'm like, I had never heard of this.
0: Oh, no, <laughs> no, no, no. I had just seen snippets of a little monkey man attacking people's faces. And I thought, this is right up my fucking alley. I mean, let's be real here. And we're going to get into the meat and bones of this here in a second after we go through our you know, our jibber jabber. But um, there is something... Terrifying in concept about the idea of a feral animal <laughs> mauling your face. Like, I mean, you can't reason with them. You know, you can't tell them, stop doing that. They're not going to listen. They're likely rabid or, you know, have a, something injected in their brain. But that's terrifying in concept. Does that mean it's executed well in this film? Absolutely
1: not. No, but it's, it, it's shock ma. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shocking audiences for what did the what did the trailer say? It's shocking audiences worldwide. Shockma, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Shockma, also known as Panic in the Tower, is um, from 1990, and oh boy, <laughs> do we know it because I have literally never seen a film in all my day that looks so dated for that time period as Shockma. My God, it looks straight out of *Saved by the Bell*.
1: Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yes. We are going to get there. So let's 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 ease into shock. Is there anything exciting? <laughs> That's the only way to do it. Ease her in. Ease her in, folks. If you if you haven't watched this this film because I, it really is a lesser known film. Like I I consider myself like I've said. I mean I'm a pretty. Uh, pretty big horror fan. And I, I kind of pride myself on knowing a lot of horror film, horror films, period horror film history. I literally had never heard of this film. So I know the probably a lot of you are like, what the hell is this? Although when we posted about it, there seems to be people that, that certainly know about it. Well, here's one
0: thing I've learned and I didn't know this going into picking Shockma. I had found Shockma on my own regard. I had found a trailer to Shockma and I was instantly enchanted with it. But I was not familiar with the fact that, I mean, for understandable reasons, this title is a very popular title reviewed online. People do live reactions to it. People do podcasts, much like ourselves, to it. Um, across all genres, these aren't just people who like horror, they're people who like bad movies. And apparently, Chakma is the cream of the crop of a movie so bad it's good. And I get why people want to review this film. But, um, yeah, so it does apparently have quite, like, a cult following, like a deep cult following. And we'll get into that, too. Um, but before we dive in, tell me about your life, Troy. Uh, things have been going well, yeah?
1: Uh, yeah, not too bad. You know, we've... I've pretty much... Houston, me, have, have pretty much fully recovered from that traumatic, um, you know, <laughs> winter storm that we had. So things on that front are, are certainly much better. It's, it's certainly lovely to have electricity and water for an extended period of time.
0: Yeah. And you guys are mask free now,
1: aren't you? Well, that's the <laughs> thing. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So the governor of Texas, uh, Greg Abbott, because I'm in Texas, uh, ba- tomorrow basically ha- starts the end of our mask mandate and our limitation on um businesses in terms of how many people they can have their occupancy rate I, I know people are freaking out about it. I completely understand that I, I do um, but I feel like you got to do you and if you are uncomfortable, you know, he's not forcing You not to wear a mask. It's it's a it's a he's leaving it up to individuals and, and most companies most businesses are Strictly sticking with the mask mandate like my school district put out a huge thing Saying we will still continue the mask mandate Uh, I know grocery stores here are still continuing it and I know it's gonna be it's gonna be Interesting because you are gonna have the people that are very much anti-maskers that are gonna try to push the the uh, the whole thing about not having to wear masks now and it's gonna just cause unnecessary stress to retail workers you know, food workers. But I, so I get it. I get it. I just, I want this to be over as, as much as everybody. So oh, yeah, we will just kind of see what happens. You know, like, I mean, it's Texas, people are acting like Texas is, is the only state that's, you know, that's doing this. Florida hasn't had a mask mandate or an occupancy rate since September. South Dakota has never had one. <laughs> so we are not the only state, so don't sit there and, you know, harp on people that live in Texas because there are other states that have been doing it a lot longer than, than we have. Oh, hey, listen, I mean, I would be lying to you
0: if I said there wasn't an aspect of jealousy within me just to see people's faces again.
1: My God. I, I, I admittedly am not a huge fan of wearing a mask, and I don't think anybody is, although there are people, there are people, I think, that the way they act, that would be, perfectly content wearing a mask the rest of their life mm-hmm. yeah agreed. that's not I don't like it but I, I hate it. it I think it's disgusting that you're breathing in your nasty breath the whole day and like I it makes my nose run and you're breathing all that in and I get like pimples on my nose really bad now I'm like oh, this needs to end but I do it I do it because it's it's what we need to do to help yeah. these go down although I get my um I get my vaccine tomorrow. Oh, excellent.
0: That's what, well, that was going to be my
1: question for you, at least. It's the Johnson and Johnson one. So it's just the one dose. So I am excited. Oh, goodness. And I feel like I can, you know, relax a little bit. And knowing that it seems like more and more people are getting the vaccine. And I feel like that's sort of the key to us getting out of all of these restrictions. And, and, you know. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm, I'm waiting on mine. Oh, fingers crossed! As soon as I get that jabbed in me, I'm traveling. I'm leaving, and I ain't ever coming back.
1: I don't. I don't want to wear a mask the rest of my life. I don't. I mean, I hate. I've always hated the term "the new normal." When this whole thing has come out, and like people are starting to say, "Oh, it's the new normal." No, it's not. Wearing a face covering on your face twelve hours a day is not normal. I'm sorry. I think we're going to take aspects
0: of this that are going to like influence our culture moving forward, like being extremely sanitary. I think there's things that we're going to take away from it that have, uh, that will have more of a lasting impact. But yeah, I think the mask thing comes down to an individual's, an 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 individual doing what they feel they need to do to better protect themselves. And if that person chooses to wear a mask, then I, I think people shouldn't bully them and bullshit them. I get that. I get that mentality. You know, I get why that person would want to. And if someone now feels that we have enough precaution to move forward safely, getting the vaccine and everything, I completely understand that too, you know?
1: Yeah. But, uh, here we are. We'll see how things pan out with this. Um, hopefully the numbers don't skyrocket and, and, um, get out of control, but I feel like they're, they're starting to, starting to be some, some light at the end of the tunnel. Oh, I see that light. Absolutely. I think if more people are getting the vaccine, it's going to it's going to definitely um, help. I feel we're at that point in The Wizard of Oz after we're waking up in the poppy fields and
0: Glinda is floating up above us in that fabulous dress and those elfin voices are singing that you're out of the woods, you're out of the dark, you're out of the night. Like, and, it, and, it, <laughs> and they're almost there. Like That's where we're at in our journey. So we just got to get on that goddamn yellow brick road and get to those gates, and everything will be fine. We do have to kill a witch first. Um, and that witch for us today is
1: Shockma. Shockma talking about something that should be forced to wear a mask. Oh, absolutely evil, evil little bastard, he is. Yeah, my god. Um, I still felt bad for him because I love animals, and I'm like, oh, yeah, well. I,
0: I don't even know. Like, I've been trying, I've literally been like sitting here, Troy, like trying to think of like, how do we like segue into this movie? And there's like really not an elegant way to do it. Um, (laughs) It's such like a, like, I'm going to start right off the bat. Last week, I or last um, episode, I said, make sure you watch this movie before we talk about it. And not just because I'm like, I want you to experience the film. Like, of course I do. We're going to, like, dissect it. But, like, this movie, like, it's one of those films that if you don't see it, you're not going to get the full impact of what it is we're about to discuss with you. Because this movie, like, it's one of those how did it get made to an extreme. I'm so confused. It's very clear that someone had a baboon somebody had a hospital set and they're like, let's write a script around it. <laughs> and they went from there. But my God, Troy, um, what are your feelings at this point in the
1: game? <laughs> it has a, it has a pretty decent cast. <laughs> it's a great cast. Well, I'm wondering like when they gave, you know, Rodney McDowell the script, that's who it is. Right. Right. Am I right?
0: Roddy McDowell, who is like a classically trained actor.
1: I I cannot, I just picture like him getting this script and being like, this is the one, this is, I got to do this. Yeah. Well, I'm sure in his mind, he thought it'd
0: be executed far better. And there's also that monkey tie-in, you know, where he was in Planet of the Apes
1: and now he's working with the monkey. <laughs> maybe he thought it, maybe it looked better on paper. I don't know. Mm -hmm.
0: not saying that it looks completely bad off paper like there are things i want to celebrate about this title um they're not like there's a lot more issues i have than i have positivity to say about it
1: well let's get to it let's get to what the film's about and and...
0: yeah so shakma is also known as panic in the tower um which is again both titles are Very awkward. Like the name Shock Malone, it's a very um, intentionally threatening name for this little monkey. This little monkey man is really not that foreboding, but it's about this little baboon who is basically used to uh, test an experimental drug that is injected in his brain. And it goes awry. And he proceeds to just be extremely angry and hostile for the course of an entire film. And that's like one thing on its own, but as he's causing like violence and destruction and mischief, there's also like a LARPing game going on within this like school. It's like a medical school. And for some reason they're playing like a Dungeons and Dragons live game in the school at the exact same time as Shakma proceeds to break out of his lair and devour everyone. And when I say everyone, I mean everyone. He's one of the most successful serial killers I can think of.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. The game is very confusing to me. Um, Okay, so you get the main character of the film is Sam played by the, you know, very surfer boy looking Christopher Atkins. Oh, from Blue Lagoon. And he's absolutely beautiful. So he is the main character, Sam, and apparently he has this game that he came up with, and he's—I don't know. I—I was trying to understand what the fuck is the purpose of this game. I don't. I still don't know. It's. I think it's just like this plot point that they—they're like, oh well, we got to think of a way to keep these people in the building when there were, when there could have been like numerous other ways you could have executed this so many more plausible ideas and to come up with this weird game it's like you said it's dungeon and dragons and they take the and it's a school it's a school and they take the whole night to like transform the building into this like labyrinth for this game where the goal is to get to the top floor to rescue the princess yes which is, a, yeah, a whole other layer to this onion.
0: But not only do they construct this fucking elaborate game, they coerce their professor.
1: Yes, he is the, he is the game master.
0: He's the, he's so involved in this game, and honestly, to me, I, I don't understand how this man has a job even, even participating in this game, let alone what the events that transpire after the game begins. Um, it's a very confusing premise.
1: It's it after goes. hours. Yeah, it's after yeah. hours. The school should be closed. But they and they're complete completely office. locked inside. And the professor stays. He's the game master. So his whole job is he has like 12 walkie-talkies that he's trying to talk to all these different oh, people. My there God. are literally scenes where he is like – there's like 12 walkie-talkies on his desk and like they're messing. And he's trying to pick the one that's the right oh, one. Oh, my God. It just goes on and on and on and on and on. And it's, it's – we'll start from the beginning. That, okay, so that's the premise of the film. They're, they they lock themselves in the building. You, you get a you get a cast of characters that includes Sam, who is the game master. You get the um, his love interest uh, Tracy, who is played by Amanda Wiss from Nightmare on Elm Street. Stunning and deserves better. Yeah, she what she was so under you. I was so. Proud. Oh my god! But you know what
0: I'll say. Her character here, and here's one of the pros. And we're going to start seeing this as we go through the characters starting with hers. Um, not a stereotype. She's an engineer. They bring up a plot point that she's an engineer. She's resourceful. She's smart. She's aggressive. She's not really the damsel in distress in my mind. Um, yes, she's underutilized, but at least like I like this character being What all of this is I I at least liked who she was I thought that she was a strong female Um, I I don't think she
1: got what she deserved (laughs) We'll get there. We'll get there that and I think that I think you're right, but I do think there were some points in the film where she definitely was the Damsel in distress stereotype and she definitely made some really stupid decisions at the end that led to what happened to her We'll get there but who doesn't in this film? <laughs> you get Richard, who is this other guy that's in medical school with Sam and Tracy. And he, for some reason, he, he ditched his date and he wants to play this game and they agree to let him play the game and they're going to let him be the nemesis, whatever that is. This game is so fucking confusing. I'm like, I don't... And Richard is a pathological liar. Let's just be clear. He's constantly lying. He's horribly unlikable, but he's lying over and over, obvious lies. I don't understand it. So he gets to stay and be the nemesis, which I guess is something if you encounter in the game, your your game's over. I don't know. Um, but he thinks that it would be, he thinks it's gonna help him because it'll help him get spend extra time with the professor, Roddy McDowell's character. I it doesn't make any sense.
0: not no, no. I wonder if like he well, he wants to be part of the game, but then once he gets involved, he's on like he's instantly no longer invested and very like pouty about it. So I don't even understand like what the payoff is for his character, other than just being there to be like obnoxious, you know. But there's yeah, it doesn't none, none of the plots make any sense. No,
1: it doesn't. I'm I'm going through these characters because you know they're so <laughs> memorable. Um the next one is Bradley, who is just Um, talk about obnoxious. (sighs) I don't know whose choice it was for this actor to, to whisper every single line in the entire film. I'm not exaggerating. He whispers every single line. It's not even that it's whispered. It's like, I mean, well, first of all,
0: a pro, and I'm just going to say it for being in a film of this, of this caliber. In 1990, this character is gay. And he's not played well, he's, I mean, you know, he's gay because you even see a gay flag shot in the background in one frame, but he is obviously gay. And I do think they're playing off a bit of a stereotype. It's not only that he's whispering, he is very coy. Like every line he's saying is basically. Like, it sounds like it's a version of the game that's ASMR. It's just like this the entire time. And it just doesn't make any sense. And, um, but I mean, he's not displayed in a negative light. He's actually intelligent. He designs the game. He's winning the game at one point. He's quite a, a strange series of choices, this character but he's not a you know he's not a gay trope per se in the sense of being like a
1: toss away i mean he's portrayed as being intelligent so i at least appreciate that is that fair yeah i honestly did not i did not pick up that he was gay uh, maybe my gaydar is bad uh, it's been a while since i've been around some gay people so maybe my gaydar has just gone <laughs> But, uh, oh
0: yeah, I think that's why he's whispering. Is he's kind of supposed
1: to be talking like this? <laughs> yeah, you're. It's it's almost like Kath, like a Katherine Hepburn type. <laughs> it's very smoky. <laughs> the and I'm like, but it's every line. every line. I'm not. It's every line in the film he whispers, and I just, as a director, I can't imagine. L- letting an actor do that
0: well and then it gets to a point where his character actually needs to whisper and it's like impossible to understand what he's saying like he's like talking like <laughs> it's hushed. it's very hushed.
1: we get uh, another character Gary yeah who I don't know Gary's Gary he's, a, he's the token black character um, yes but
0: here's another pro I'm going to throw out and hear me on this Token black character, but like
1: intelligent, reasonable, smart, and makes it further than a bunch of the white men. He well he he's the last, well, no, he is, but he, yeah, he is one of the last ones to die. Although his death is probably the most brutal. It's the one that's shown more graphically than any of the other ones, which I thought was interesting. Um and then you get this what the hell is her name? Cherubic. Dumpling faced Ari Mayers yeah she i guess she was in
0: what was she, she was in and alley yeah okay she plays kim she's serving up some real dj tanner vibes in this one
1: and i texted you something really mean when i was watching this and i even said i compared her to a candace cameron but i said something i won't repeat it here but i was like who is this candace cameron lookalike it is uh yeah what's her name in the film? Um. Yeah. Kimberly Kimberly. She
0: kinda makes me think of a Manchi. Remember Manchi Chi? No,
1: but she this bitch, her whole point in this film is she's hungry for some of that Christopher Atkins cock. This bitch she's is craving it so bad. Yeah, almost from an eerie extreme. Like, I
0: honestly, like, I kind of got vibes of like, remember the movie Crush with Alicia Silverstone? Yeah. Like, the early stages of that film. Like, I was if this would have continued, if things didn't end up the way they did in this film, we would have transitioned into a very stalker
1: esque mentality. She is hungry for that. Cock. I can't say I blame her, but girl, I gotta relax because you look like you're about 12.
0: Well, she is she's like a child. And unfortunately, like Sam, like, okay, so Sam is the male lead. And we're off to the races with this one, by the way. Like, we're in it now, I guess, this inner this review. Um, uh, Sam is kind of a manipulative dick, especially with her. Sam has a girlfriend. We'll get into all of this, but Sam is very much like I would say, overall, like the focus of the film. He's the male lead. Um, and he's not. Bad. He's just very fawn-eyed the entire film, and you're supposed to like be given this understanding that he and Shakma like have this bond, but you're given none of it. You don't see any of like the precursor. You don't see any of like the existing relationship between Shakma and Sam, Uh, because when you're introduced to Shakma, it's like literally during this brain surgery. It's the first thing you see is this pretty graphic brain surgery in which they inject this serum. Into Shakma's brain, like that is how the movie starts.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I was wondering with that opening scene. Yeah, the opening scene is a group of a bunch of the medical students watching Doctor Swords and um, McDowell's character do this, like surgery or whatever it is. With yeah, it's inserting something. And I was wondering, is is that supposed to be Shakma? Because then in the next. In a couple scenes later, they bring him in, but it doesn't look like he has any like surgical <laughs> things done to him. So I was confused, but we know. Yeah, wouldn't there be like a recovery time yeah, for yeah, this yeah, animal? Yeah. Because we, but I guess it's to introduce the fact that we know that this school or this doctor, at least, is doing some sort of experimental um, surgeries on various animals.
0: Again, is this something that he's even allowed to do as a teacher? I'm so confused. I really don't know if anybody knew anything about what they were writing about when they made the script. They just threw a lot of ideas at the wall and saw where it landed. But like, you do get the surgery sequence and everybody's sweating. It's like like a typical, it's like a classic surgery scene out of any old film where you get close-ups on the eyes, like looking all around, dabbing sweat off their brows as they inject the serum. And so apparently the serum is something that is used to, uh, like, affect, like, emotions. If it's injected into a certain area, it's supposed to, like, qualm, like, the aggressive aspect of this, you know, animal, but it can also potentially backfire. Like, it's very loose. (laughs) It's very, you're giving, like, a brief description by Rodney McDowell, but overall, you don't know a ton about what they're doing to this thing. No, you don't.
1: Yeah, so after the opening scene, then you get basically just a bunch of smaller scenes with the char- be- the characters being introduced and us finding out about the game. There's the scene with Bradley where he is showing Sam how he set up this game on his computer. Um, and of course, he's whispering the whole time. Um, and then there is a scene with Sam and Tracy where you're introduced to Tracy. This is when they wheel in like Shockma, and He's on a gurney. He's covered with a blanket um and he basically while the students are in there sam's in there tracy's in there all of them are in there i think um gary and um yeah what's his name the other one bradley's not in there Doug, richard,
0: all the bradley bradley i don't think he's in there but richard is richard is
1: yeah docma basically wakes up and just goes nuts and like starts tearing up the room like he scratches richard's arm and they have to inject him with some sort of like tranquilizer and this is when sorison comes in and tells basically tells sam you better inject him with way more of that than what you did and sam is like well that'll kill him and sorison's like well good because he is never going to be the same so basically these fuckers
0: just injected this animal with the serum immediately it went awry and they're like okay we'll just kill it so i mean
1: <laughs> and it's, a, it's a baboon it's a cute little baboon yeah and he's not even that big like he's just been, like he's like a he's almost like a pygmy baboon or something he's not- yeah don't think when we say when we say baboon don't think this is some like 500 pound looking thing this is a looks like a like a dog i mean it's it's not a big thing at all if
0: you look up chakra on wikipedia because i was trying to find out information on this baboon there is a picture of this baboon sitting on the back of a motorcycle like he's not especially intimidating in general and he's very cute he's a very cute baboon but this whole scene gives us a lot like the thing about this movie is uh, when it's not spending its time dwelling on nonsense it's rushing through exposition and so like this whole sequence like you get a real brief taste of the relationship between sam and tracy they give you like everything they just word it out real quick all the characters come in this monkey attack happens they decide to try and get and then kill it like within a matter of seconds like the story is just put out on the table and the awkward thing about this movie is like A, it's in one location the entire time and it's all tan. So I just have to acknowledge this. it's just walls of tan, tan, tan everywhere, beige, beige. So it's very bland. And whenever there's a sequence with the monkey starting here, with the shakma, there are never, there's maybe overall throughout the course of the film, two or three shots in which a human and shakma appear on frame together so it's filmed in a way where like it's very separated so people are like reacting like oh my god he's losing his mind tranquilize him um and then <laughs> and then it cuts to the the the, the bamboo and like ah like losing his shit but alone like just kind of like jumping around and then like the guy gets scratched but it's like a fake baboon hand and whenever it cuts to a fake baboon hand you are aware like these are like little felt hands and they have little fingers and they the fingers don't move it is very awkward puppetry and this like you get a taste of it right away of just how bad this can be and how awkward and dislocated and disjointed some of these sequences are
1: oh yeah it's yeah i was gonna say the fake the little fake baboon hand that they must have like on a stick that they're like sticking into the camera frame to look, make it look like it's freaking out. Uh, uh, yeah. It looks ridiculous. But um, so I guess shock Mob was supposed to be injected with the stuff to kill him. And there's the scene. I, I think Sam uses the wrong. Yeah. So
0: Richard comes in asking Sam about the game and Sam gets like invested in the conversation. And so he turns his attention away from the serum. And instead he grabs another one that's uh, like a less potent serum. So all it does is just knock him out harder. It doesn't kill him. But so he's having this whole conversation with Richard where he basically says, well, Richard, you can play the game. But in order to do it, you have to play Nemesis, the, the monster. And you prevent us from entering a certain layer in the game. And, and Richard is not happy with this. He's not pleased. That wasn't what he wanted from the game. Well, and then his, his girlfriend is not happy with it either.
1: Well, what a what a what a waste of a character. Talk about a, an unnecessary character. Absolutely, no payoff. Like this, there is zero payoff with her. Like zero. Like what is she even doing in the film? Like there is absolutely no, no reason. Listen, this is why I don't think. Like I think this was like somebody wrote the script and did not go through and and try to do any revisions, did not let anybody else read it to be like, let's remove some unnecessary stuff because this whole character could have been cut out. This.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. She has one purpose in the game or
0: one purpose in the film later on. And it's literally like the weakest plot point in a film chock full of horribly weak plot points. But, um, I digress. Um, the, so going back to the the whole situation, they start playing the game and um, well, before this Richard had, had was trying to incinerate the body. He actually wants to incinerate the baboon and um, the, uh, the, the teacher, Roddy McDowell, Is like, what are you doing? What's going on in here? And this really awkward dialogue exchange between the two of them in which, like, I there's sometimes I almost feel like it seems like they let actors just almost, like, improvise certain moments because some of these moments just kind of, like, wander. And basically he's like, well, no, you can't incinerate him. I have to study him. Mm. And and they just, like, leave him there. And you see the little monkey hands, like, twitch, twitch. But, like, when they twitch, it's not like the fingers twitch because it's not a good... It's like it's just like it's just like only the the, the the joint moves, not the fingers. So the hand just goes out like boop boop like.
1: Yeah, this the dialogue is so awkward. He's like, I will come in tomorrow and finish him off. And then he's like, Oh, and fix your arm and he storms out. I'm like, Yeah. Okay, this what the hell is going on? I'm so I'm so confused. Yes. It feels like it's been an hour into the film and it's ten minutes
0: yeah and and so uh, we get a real swift transition into the night of the game like it doesn't even feel like <laughs> it doesn't feel like time passes but no, basically it, did. it really did. It, did it what happens is you do have a moment where a bunch of, a bunch of animals are in this room as as Shakma comes to life, and you see these two like chimpanzees just like with big milky eyes, like watching <laughs> these other animals are slaughtered.
1: Yes, because all of a sudden, yeah, you see blood start, you see blood splatter on the, the window of the door. and I'm, You hear the screams. Just killed two other monkeys. But you hear the animals screaming, and then you cut to like
0: everybody's still inside the building, and nobody heard it. Yet from the streets, like <laughs> it was like bellowing
1: into the night. Like, it was just, and can we mention like what – okay, what kind of game is this? Because there's only three people playing the game, okay? The, the three people that are playing the game are Gary – well, no, there's four.
0: Bradley, Tracy, Sam, and Gary.
1: Yes, that, there's, that's it. And they're making they – act, they act like this game is like the highlight of the they're year. They're betting money on it. They're all betting $500 on it. There's only four people playing it. How hard can it be? Well, and like
0: what, like, okay, so they choose to bet money on it. That's like all between them. But like, what's the benefit of like, why is the teacher involved? How do they get permission? Is this going on their grades? Aren't they in school to be doctors? How is this at all relevant? Is Tracy even, does she go to this school? If not, isn't this, is this legal? I don't think it's legal. Someone's losing their job over this, over what happens here. Like, let's be honest. It's... Someone approved this, so the game is underway, and um, and basically it consists of uh, Roddy McDowell being sequestered in an, like in a room with like 30, 30 walkie talkies.
1: <laughs> oh, and then the girl. Sh- well, that's when this is when the girl shows up. Um, what's dumpling face, Kim? Candace but Cameron. not Kim. Candace Cameron Light. It's, it's Kim. It's Ari Mayers. I don't care who it is. She's a weird looking She's girl. That's all I know. Lusting, and and she is like, oh, I'm gonna. I have a surprise for you. Just wait till you see it. The surprise She's, is so lackluster. The surprise is a fucking belly dance costume slash. May is that what it is? I thought it was like a traditional Polish. <laughs> I thought
0: it was like a, a festivus go.
1: <laughs> I thought it was a belly dance because the, the it's just a top with her stomach exposed, and then I thought it's it's half belly dancer, half May queen from Midsummer because she has this big old, yes, flower
0: and she's like, it has a very uh, like, m- m- like um, European kind of um, maple.
1: Vibe. Yeah, because she's like, oh, she's looking at herself in the mirror. And she's like, oh, Sam, you're going to be mine finally. And Wait till you get going to look at me. Come and save me. It's the ugliest fucking thing I've ever seen anybody wear in my entire well, life. Well, and he's
0: only up against three other people, one of which is his girlfriend. So, like, I don't understand how it's – what benefit is going to come from anybody saving her. I don't understand what the goal is. Why is there a live human being – Playing a princess to begin with. I'm so confused.
1: Because her ass literally through the whole movie is stuck upstairs doing nothing. She's like she's eating in like, that- I, they have like a food spread set up, which I'm convinced
0: is the actual spread that they
1: had set up for the casting crew. And she's like eating cheesecake <laughs> at one point. But she is so proud of this surprise. And it's a, base. it's a, I yeah I I mean she looks like she's seven maybe she that's how you know this girl is like twelve years old and she well she her this whole time she's just like lusting after
0: him. Well, he's a medical student, so obviously he's got to be at least eighteen. I, I think this is a statutory rape potential here, but we're getting carried away.
1: (laughs) No, no, because I'm sorry, there is a point where he watches her walk away, and he's like, "Hmm," "Well, he's he's very looking at her."
0: I don't and here's another reason I don't like Sam and there's a few reasons but uh, he's got a great girl in Tracy she's capable competent a strong feminist those shoulder pads they make her look very powerful um and she's beautiful you know I mean she's she's probably one of the better characters in the film and it seems like he like really is like into her and fancies her, but he shows no hesitation in turning his attentions to this child. Yes. But and then using those intentions to manipulate
1: her yes. in, in times of need. He is, he definitely manipulates her. He is, he is, he leads her he on. He gaslights her and, and makes her think. There, you can tell that the way he talks to her, he's like winking at her at one point. Like he's really playing. And her, for like what? She's... For this game? So she could sit up in the attic and wait for them to come up to get her? I don't Dressed know. like she's about to attend a, a, a festival? Like a renaissance fair?
0: I'm very confused.
1: <laughs> she belongs at the renaissance fair. Right? Uh,
0: but anyway, so the game is underway, and Roddy McDowell is Spinning like 30 plates He's got to keep all these fuckers together He's on all these different walkie-talkies He's telling people where they can go and when And what key they can use And people are trying to um, Basically I guess the idea is like When you get a key you can enter a room But you got to answer a riddle And then they get crystals and glitter It's very confusing But um, Bradley seems to be doing the best out of everybody And he gets to A point where he Enters the room where Richard is Nemesis, but Richard Nemesis does not want to be there anymore because all he's done is basically like set up some like caverns and turned off some lights, and he's not going to do the things he wanted to do. So he's pouting. So he chooses to hide, and when he hides, he like throws off the whole game, uh, and allows Bradley to proceed further into the game. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think his whole his whole purpose for being very uh, dismissive of the game at this point is because he has a date with his girlfriend. So he wants the game to end as soon as possible. So I think from my, what I gathered is when Bradley went into the room that he was in, that was supposed to be the end of Bradley. He was, he lost because he found, Mm -hmm. he found the the villain, but instead Richard hides and doesn't let Bradley know that he's there because even Sorensen, like messages uh, Richard and is like, where are you? And he's like, oh, I'm in the room while well, Bradley was just in there. What, what, what's up? He's like, oh, I must've fallen asleep. But he hasn't fallen asleep, he's blatantly
0: hit himself. Like he yeah. blatantly hides under a desk, even though he would have obviously been seen. Let's be real.
1: Um well because then Sorenson says to him well if you don't get your act together this is going to be a very short game and Richard's like oh, I know. Yeah. That's what he wants because he knows his girlfriend is out there waiting. Yeah, him,
0: and so. she's like literally like over his ass. That girlfriend is sick and tired of his nonsense from the moment this movie starts. Uh he's he's walking on thin ice with her and she's not pleased and she makes it known and so he's wanting to get out but through like a series of events Bradley like Eventually makes it into the room where it's connected to the specimen lab, and the specimen lab is where the the body of the supposed body, but actually alive, uh, Shakma was left earlier because uh, by the incinerator. And so there's this whole thing where Bradley gets like a bag of glitter. <laughs> he walks into this room and he throws the glitter, and he's like, "I leave this troll or whatever whatever he says. And then when he throws the glitter, he realizes the room is filled with like the remains of animals because Shakma has destroyed all of them. Um, And then he turns and through a series of very awkward cuts, you see Shakma like ascend a series of cages in a non-aggressive way. (laughs) And then turn towards him and thrust himself at Bradley's face. It, it cuts to like a very blatant doll at one point. <laughs> like, and this, you get a lot from the film. There's a lot of baboon dolls that are used to substitute the real baboon. And it is awkward, but God is entertaining.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it, it It attacks Bradley and basically like rips rips his face off. So Bradley is no longer part
0: of the game. <laughs> Bradley is dispatched quickly. Um and so from that, uh, uh Sorensen, the professor, is attempting to reach him by walkie and uh is not having any success because obviously he's being mauled by a tiny baboon man. Uh, and so he reaches out to Richard, who has already fucked things up. He's like, Richard, since you've already fucked things up, I'm gonna send you to a different room so we can restructure the game so you can still be a threat. But before you do that, can you, can you please check on Bradley? Because he's not responding in this room and he needs to not be there. He needs to be somewhere else. And so Richard reluctantly goes into this room um, and, and is looking for Bradley and discovers his walkie talkie. And he sees that there's blood on it. And we do have like an overall pretty, at times effective stalking sequence. Like here's the thing about this film that really kind of throws me is every once in a while you'll have like a sequence that is not horrible. You know, maybe it's because the idea of a, of a, of a rabid animal or an animal with no control over its emotions, just wildly attacking people. There is something scary about that. Like I said earlier, but there's the way they do it because they they film it in this really like kind of flat way, and it often doesn't flatter the film. But in the right angles and the right locations, you do have some kind of effective sequences. And so this whole thing leads up to this moment where he like hides himself in a closet, and uh, Shakma like attacks the door. He finally like comes out and attacks him, and he decides to like pour acid into a glass container in what I think is a very dangerous decision. And would never work. And um, and he tries to go out and, like, basically, I guess, surprise Shakma and throw it at him. But things go awry, and Shakma attacks him, and the acid hits him in the face.
1: Yeah, it's all very awkward. And Richard, for wanting to, like, his whole purpose for doing this game was, as he tells his girlfriend, is that it will help him because he will be able to be closer to Dr. Swordson, who apparently that's a good thing because it's his professor and maybe he can you know, get his grade. Up. I don't know what is, but he wants to be there. But then like all of a sudden, like the whole night, he's just like bad mouthing Sorensen <laughs> calling him. Yeah. Well, fucking old coot and old dinosaur. It's like, you wanted to be there motherfucker. Like, why are you all of a sudden calling this poor old man names? Who's probably should be home in bed not playing your stupid fucking game
0: yeah and his character is just so inconsistent um richards is and so
1: luckily but yeah the, so the whole thing yeah he shocked attacks me, runs into a closet and he pour, i don't understand the whole idea of pouring the acid into a separate jar it's already in a jar just take the lid off and throw you i mean why he sat there and poured it into, into a whole other container to throw when you could have just used the container it was in. And it's it's I feel like this sequence was could have been much much better because this really would have allowed for a really good stock and like suspense sequence. But once he leaves the closet, it basically falls flat. Like it literally, he drops his his walkie talkie. He bends down to pick it up. And Shaka comes and attacks him. There's no stock. There's no suspense. There's nothing. And yeah. Yeah. The acid gets pulled into his face. That could have been drawn out a little bit longer to make it a little bit more suspenseful. But it was... I think
0: that's one thing to be said about all of the kills within this film. And I think a lot of this reflects like, on a smaller budget and working with animals. Um, that's a really dangerous territory in the sense of trying to make like a, a strong film. Like... The, this monkey is trained to a certain extent, but you could tell, like in some moments, they got what they could get, you know. And uh, you know, especially with reactions, he's all the monkey's always chewing on something, so they try to, I think, play it up like it's human flesh. But like, he's always like chewing on peanut butter or something. I don't know. Oh, and, and so it's like it is one of those things. Like the only times that Chakma is actually effective is in like the rabbit attack sequences, where he's like going up against the door on somebody's face but other than that like this monkey is very cute he's not intimidating and like i said earlier he's never in a shot uh he's never in frame with the actor so that removes a huge element of suspense from the film huge like you never have moments where like you see the actor's face and through the crack of the door like you see like and the real animal it's always like a puppet so they have to like angle it a certain way there's always a distance uh, um, uh, it's always like kind of dislocated, you know?
1: Yeah. I want yeah, I'm just saying they could have, they could have uh, extended that whole thing with Richard out a little bit longer and you wouldn't even have had to have shown Shockma. You could have used POV where yeah. you think that, you know, you could see the POV shot of something watching Richard and following him. And we would have assumed it was, it was Shockma, but it was just, it was so lackluster and how, and how you yeah. did like, It could have been a a really cool little chase scene and it just kind of fell really flat. I no, I agree. And the only perk about this whole sequence with Richard is
0: you do, because of this whole sequence, you do eventually get a reveal of the effects of the acid to the face. And it is actually one of the better gore effects in the film. It does look pretty good there really is not a lot of gore. It's one of the few things you get to see, but even like the acid to the face, like it's, it's filmed in a way like I I can barely even tell it. It is the acid hits him. Um, But you do get the after effect in a little bit, you know, throughout as the story progresses. But anyway, so now that Richard is disposed of, and he's not responding as walkie, um, Rodney McDowell eventually decides that he is going to go down himself and check on things because he's, he even says he walkies over to Tracy and says that he thinks that Richard is playing a different game from everybody else. Um, and Tracy and Sam have a little moment between the two of them that is actually kind of cute. I, I do kind of like some of their development together. They have a little makeup scene, but I appreciate that. Like, you don't go full tits. This movie doesn't ever get crude. No, no. No. So it, it, I, I do appreciate that. And they have a, a kind of a cute relationship together. If only he wasn't trying to seduce a child who's too young to be with him uh, on the side. But so um, Ronnie McDowell takes the elevator downstairs and he has a special set of keys. These keys come into play. And so he uses them to take the elevator downstairs and he's peeking around and he comes upon the specimen room and he finds Bradley and Richard dead. And uh, when he finds Richard, he sees that his face is melted, as as stated from the acid. But then he proceeds to like take his hands and dip them into the the gore. Which a would they not be acidic? But b like he like I guess he's maybe trying to check his chest to see if he's still alive. But he like presses on him like an organ, and then he takes his hands and he proceeds to wipe the blood all over his white. Shirt. It's a very confusing action. I don't understand the motivation behind it.
1: No, and then he gets up and walks away and just does not seem all that bothered by the fact that he just found two of his students dead. Like, he literally yes. does not seem bothered at all. Like, he's just walking away and like, oh, okay, so he goes back to the elevator. And is trying to you know take the elevator back up to to where he was, and here Shakma comes at full speed and charges him, and basically r- kills him in the elevator. Yeah, there's this whole like stalk sequence
0: where like they build it up like there's a chance that Shakma could be hidden behind this curtain, and he's like just not there. And like yeah. Roddy McDowell was like, oh, God, thank God! Like he's v- he seems like he got. He's like in the clear, like he's like, oh, if he's not behind this mysterious curtain, then the monkey's not here. And then he looks up and he sees Shakma like at a distance. And so they try to do these like moments with Shakma with because they don't ever have Shakma in the same frame as the actor. They try to like show him like in the shadows lurking and running at the camera. There's a lot of shots like that. But there's this whole sequence where like Rodney McDowell's trying to operate the key to get the elevator to go up and he's pushing the button and the key won't turn and Shakma runs from the, the length of the building at him and jumps. And there's like this shot where like the the mat, like the dummy doll tackles Roddy McDowell and it's very fake. And all I could think of when I saw it is like, I wonder what Roddy McDowell was thinking as he was filming this moment. Like, this is it. This is where my career is at right now. Like as this, this blatantly fake baboon doll just tackles him to the ground. It
1: was very comedic and again the 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 death scenes are very repetitive it's basically shakma jumping on the, ki- the the person and just like Rawr! you hear a bunch of growling noises and, and some blood. this is a movie that i would kill to see be remade today
0: <laughs> but i also don't think we could do it by like <laughs> like
1: like uh, well they would probably whoever did it would probably try to cgi whoa,
0: peter would be livid I don't know. Yeah, it's just, it's very awkward. There's so many moments where like you see a shot of a monkey jumping in an empty hallway and then it cuts to like a baboon doll tackling an actor. You get a lot of that, you're right. But so now Ronnie
1: McDowell is dead. And yeah, I mean- this monkey is killing anybody. I mean, and he's very successful. Like, I'm very confused. Yes, okay, I understand he's a wild animal and he has
0: fangs, but he's not that big, and he's not that smart. And somehow, some way, he's outsmarting everybody. And so, the only reason that the uh, that uh, Sam and Tracy even know that there's a problem is because they hear. And I do kind of like this. They can hear the sound of the elevator a floor down catching on um the professor's leg bing bing like over and over and then they start hearing the screams of the baboon
1: yeah sam here sam hears at shakma He hear and he recognizes it's shakma he hears him growling and is he's like oh that's shakma we got he must be out oh blah 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 so they go down to um they basically go down the elevator and find Thornton's body and his body is like halfway in the elevator halfway out so that's why the elevator can't close which is why it's making the the dinging noise um and so they go up to the fifth floor to investigate and try to find the others and this is when shakma sees sam and tracy yeah
0: they're using these stairwells to like go up and down between the floors and like as if the building itself wasn't bland enough, the stairwells are like even they're even blander. It's just like it's white. It's like white lit with like um like, like like you know hospital lights like fluorescent bulbs. It is so flat and it's so bland, and the movie's filmed really flat, and you just get like such a series of like blase locations, and that's all you have: the hospital floors and the stairwells, and they that you go back and forth between them blandness and so basically they get to yeah they go to the the, the fifth floor and th-
1: yeah you're right because what they, they they try to make it seem like they try to they try to make it seem like each floor has a very specific purpose because the fifth mm-hmm. floor is the one that um yeah I, it's like the teacher's lounge yeah, but they all look the same like ever so you can't differentiate where they're at so and Shock was on one specific floor that supposedly he can't get, he can't leave because he can't use a stair. He can't get in the stairwell or use the ele- I mean, he can't use the elevator, although that comes into play a little bit later. So it's, but it's, so they're going from floor to floor and they're like, Oh, I'm going to go down to the second floor. Oh, I'm going to go up to the eighth. floor. But they all look the same. So it's really hard to kind of as a viewer figure out like direction, location, where they're at.
0: Yeah, there's several times over the course of the film where I was like, I just don't even know where any of them actually are in correspondence to one another. And that does provide an extra layer of confusion to an already very confusing plot. Um, But so eventually you get to a point where Sam and Tracy are kind of running between floors and they finally decide the idea to use like, you find like a, a, a... I don't. What is that like? Light? <laughs> we- weapon weapon? <right? laughs> what is that sphere? It's a light. It's a sl- like a strobe. It's a strobe like emitter. It's used to like stun an animal. And so she's uh, or, or, or at least that's what they're using it for. And Tracy's like, okay, we're gonna use it. We're gonna stun them. Um, and and so they basically go to the room and they see Shakma, and he gets up on a table like a little man. He stands up on his hind legs and she stunned and they, or she holds up the thing and then sam like grabs it and he's like stun him and he stuns him but all it does is kind of like daze them and irritate shakama like it doesn't do anything shakama just like looks at them and then he's like what Gah! and he like runs at them and so <laughs> so uh, uh tracy is like startled and sam's like hold the door and she's like okay so she like the frail woman is holding the door which is a metal door and it's starting to like give way against this little baboon man who's beating this door in and clawing at her legs and meanwhile meanwhile sam runs over to the body of the professor and he's like oh this guy's very obviously dead, he has no face, allow me to drag his body across the length of the building as my girlfriend is mauled by a baboon and take his body to a stairwell only to proclaim that he is, in fact,
1: dead. Yeah, it's all very, like... I don't even know the word, but Shachma... This movie, I want to say, like, 40% of this movie is shots of shockma banging on doors. Tons of them. I mean, it's just so repetitive. It's like his little monkey ass runs up to the door and starts banging on it. It's it. Hap- it's like so many times. It just gets to be a little ridiculous. Yeah, it does. Um, and it's it, This is the 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 movie. Oh, the movie definitely is not one that I would say is keeps your attention. Uh, I think that there is a lot of points in this film where it, at least for me, watching it, I zoned out because it all becomes so very repetitive. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it really does. Like, it's okay, so it's them wandering around, Shakma seeing them banging on a door, them wandering around, running in a room, shockma seeing them ba- That's about 20 minutes. And I'm not exaggerating because I remember watching this the first time and I kind of, admittedly, although I watched it, I've watched this four times in the last week, Roger, so. <laughs> okay, so the first time I watched it, I admittedly dozed off a bit because it's so, like, it it gets a little boring. Not maybe boring, but tedious. Yeah. So I dozed off. I dozed off a bit, and I woke, I kind of came to, and I'm like, okay. I looked at my watch, I was like, okay, this has to be almost done because I've been watching this for like an hour now. It has I looked at the. I paused it, and there were still like fifty five fucking minutes left. I'm like, what? How long is this fucking movie?
0: Yeah, it just keeps going. It keeps and it keeps building and building, but it's only building like through. It, you're right. It's like the same sequence repeated over and over and over, but it keeps happening.
1: They could have cut at least, and I'm not exaggerating. They could have cut at least twenty minutes from this film. Yeah, it yeah. would have been much tighter because it it gets so boring, so repetitive it does it does
0: and the thing is is like the other issue is like when chakma is not being a violent rabid animal destroying metal doors and unhinging them which i do not understand his strength at times he's very cute he is like, i mean he is not intimidating he he's adorable he's only terrifying when he's being like violent, but like even that, like you see so much of the same thing that eventually it's like, Oh, okay. But uh, so I mean, at, the, at this point in the, in the film, um, they've taken the body of the professor back to the stairwell. They've confessed that, you know, he's obviously dead, which we could have told you without dragging him across the building. They have like a little lover's quarrel that's immediately like addressed. Like it's not anything too big. And they decide again um, that they need to, Basically, find out if there's anyone still alive in the building. That's the whole thing. The whole time, instead of trying to like survive for themselves, they keep saying we have to find the others, which is, I guess, you know, a trope.
1: They've um, already found them all dead. That's what I don't understand. You found the pro- you've already found the professor dead. You found uh, the other dude dead. You found Richard dead. So who do you think's alive? There's only four of you in the damn building. Well, she has game. that
0: moment in the stairwell where she sees Gary.
1: So yeah, and the girl, and you know, she was kind of. She was kind of a bitch in there because she's like, "We shouldn't even have been here." Well, you're the one that wanted to play this game, bitch. You're the one that even betted on five hundred dollars yeah. on it. So you had no problem. Yeah. Well,
0: I mean, and I, I'll be honest. If I were her, I would literally still be thinking that this is a, a game. Uh, I mean, at least up until the part where I got physically injured, because it's such an absurd situation. And she even says it. She's like. Or she asks Sam, she's like, is by the game, Sam? And at this point she's already been like mauled and could have rabies or whatever, but she like, I, I get it. Like it is such an absurd situation, but he basically, he like coerces her to go out and like lure Shakma And like, listen, here's the deal. I would absolutely not in any situation. I don't care what I think of this guy be convinced to risk my life to go out so we can go drag all of the bodies of everybody and we'll worry about those later. Those people are dead. They will be missed. There's no way you're going to convince me to go out here and go up against this animal that I have no training with whatsoever, but she fucking does it. She like goes out and then she like gives a blood curdling scream and proceeds to barricade herself in a closet in a room and in another room where we've already seen the monkey dislodge a metal door already. So it's not like this is any, Different, I don't understand why do you think this is a good idea.
1: It's not a good idea, yeah. He, why would you split up? Oh, go cause a distraction. You could, you could cause a distraction in so many other ways that making her go out into the hallway by herself a, and try to distract this damn killer monkey. Yeah. Then again, it's another scene of her running into a room and another scene of the monkey pounding on the door for two minutes. Um, yeah. And they go back and forth. Like it. Like she goes,
0: she leaves the, well, she goes in the room and then the monkey attacks the door. And then Sam like, is like meanwhile doing his thing. So then the monkey runs over there and then she's like, oh, I've got to let Sam know the monkey's coming. So then she comes out and then the monkey runs back. But then somehow she manages to like lock herself out of the room. So then she's like, oh, fuck me. Like, oh my God. And so she, like, hides herself in this tiny wooden chest that happens to be in this very bland hallway. And I don't even know, like, it doesn't look like something you'd even see in a school. It looks like something that someone got from, like, a yard sale that fit what they needed. So they put it in this hallway, and she's, like, hiding in it. And the, and, and the ma finds her in this chest and starts destroying that, screaming about it. And so Sam to like...
1: I want to know how she knew that you could get into the, this, this chat it was, because it's like a bookcase and it's the bottom part of the bookcase that she gets in. Um, I'm like, how would you even know how to get into? It's not like a, it's not like a dresser with, it's not, doesn't have doors on it or anything. It's like, it doesn't a, fit anything it, at all
0: in this building.
1: How did she get in there is what I want to know. Yes. It's not, it's relatively small. And like, and so, and he manages. just... They actually do, they actually do a shot of it. Like they, you see it against the wall and it's like no bigger than like a bedroom nightstand. But this, she's supposed to be inside this thing. It's like a womb. She's like curled inside of it. She's like, and so, and he's easily destroying it. So
0: there's this whole thing where Sam like goes to one door and like lures Shakma that way. And then he runs around and he manages to get her out of this basically destroyed cabinet because the monkey has the power of grown... Of, 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 of a full size baboon, apparently. And so, and again, so they run and then they hide themselves again. It's just a, a game of cat and mouse for about 45 minutes.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, because at this point, there is still probably an hour left of the film. It just drags. Mm-hmm.
0: So, well, Sam splits off to go find. um
1: Oh, well, Gary's still wandering around. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yes. Gary's wandering around. And so, so she's trying to get in touch with Gary and find Gary while Sam goes to check on um, Bradley and Richard, because when they have that whole strobe sequence, there's like a moment where she thinks she saw Richard's hand move, even though like. Richard's face is completely melted away. They're convinced he could still be alive. So Sam goes back to check on the body and like finds the body and proceeds to have a response that literally takes about 10 minutes of him just gawking at this face and like then responding and then looking again. It's just this huge response. And meanwhile, she being sensible, grabs the professor's walkie-talkie and is able to get in touch with Gary. And Gary is now um, uh, the, the
1: fifth, wait, he's on the sixth floor. I think he's going to go down to the fifth and she's on the fourth. He's going to the fifth level, which is where Shockma has been contained the entire. Yes. Yeah, so,
0: and so, yeah. but he knows nothing about it because he's the only person that's actually been playing the game with no idea of what's going on in the building. And so there is a sequence that like, if there's a fe- in a sequence that's effective in this film, I would say it's this one. It is the whole scene where he gets into the elevator. She finally gets in touch with him. There's this whole suspense buildup. You know what's about to happen. He gets the keys. He almost doesn't go, but then he does. And he goes to the floor that shock was on. And you you don't see as, you know, you still don't really see the attack. But what you do do get is this kind of cool moment where Tracy is the floor below and you start hearing the screams of the uh, of the attack as the elevators coming down and she watches as the light goes from six to five, which is, or from five to four, which is the, she's on the fourth floor and the door opens and you just get this really like raw, wild attack sequence where the monkey is just on top of this guy's face, just mauling him. And she just kind of like looks on, which is exactly how I would respond. I'll be like, if I were to watch as an elevator door opened to reveal a grown man being mauled by a tiny baboon, I would just gawk because I would not know what else to
1: do. Yeah, it's, like I, like I said earlier, he he has the most brutal, prolonged death of the, of the whole film. Like, they don't, because the film to this point hasn't been very gory, hasn't been very uh, uh, brutal. It's basically the monkey jumps on somebody. You hear him scream, you hear the monkey growl and the person's dead. This one is yeah. pretty, goes on for a pretty long time where he's on top of Gary, just like, biting his face and biting his neck he's rolling around the hallway yeah she's just standing there watching i'm like you could have at least grabbed something and tried to beat them up and then you do get a cool Uh, shot it
0: is a a puppet but they at least it's a puppet where like the lip is like quivering uh, on the baboon and the blood's like dripping from the mouth it's like a shot of the jaw um that's a cool shot.
1: yeah that actually yeah and then of course he takes off after her um and but that's another thing. It, 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 they're in this medical school, right? And there's tons of rooms. they would never once try to find a weapon or something that they could use to, beat the, to try to beat this monkey to death. Well,
0: oh, And there's another question I have for you. Okay, so I, I understand they wanted to help their friends, but like technically, technically, why would you just go up to the top floor and wait until daybreak? Because, yes, I'm sure someone's gonna come in and be attacked. That's unfortunate, but at least it'll bring attention. I mean, I'm sure they'll eventually be able to sedate or kill this animal. And then you'll be, you know, and then you can get out. I mean, I would just go up to the top floor where the, prin- the princess bride is waiting with all the Mountain Dew and all the coffee and cheesecakes.
1: Exactly, because by the morning, people are gonna come. The monkey's not gonna be able to kill. You know, fifty people that show up for class. He's—I mean, no, he's a relatively small monkey. Yeah, so you—they—that's sh- should another thing that doesn't. They, they never once try to find a weapon to try to fight this monkey. All they needed to do was find a fire extinguisher or anything. They're in—they're in a medical a, a scalpel, anything that they could have found, but they don't. Yeah. There's
0: literally a scene where he breaks, where Sam breaks a fire extinguisher like glass case, and I was going to be like, "Oh, smart! He's going to use this." To, like, I don't know, like, distract the monkey. But he just uses it to break the glass to get a person's attention. It is a very awkward decision. But like I said, the whole movie is, of awkward decisions. It's very confusing. So, um, basically, we get to a point where the two of them split off. Sam goes and finds the dead bodies. Um, Tracy, meanwhile, gets stuck up in, in uh, on a different floor with Shakma, where she gets trapped in a bathroom. And there's this whole like back and forth again where she's trying to alert Sam through a vent in the bathroom that he's coming to that now Shakma's on a different floor and that he's going to walk onto the same floor that Shakma's on. But by doing this, by going back and forth between the vent and drawing attention, Shakma gets into the bathroom and in like a kind of bold choice, they proceed to kill Tracy
1: off camera i was not expecting that at all right um like at all i was not expecting that it's 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 a very yeah a bull would be the right word i guess but also very kind of infuriating choice i don't know it it just pissed me off because right it, it Because up until this point, this was a very, like you said, it's Amanda Wiss. Her character is very progressive. It's not, she's not like this whiny, um, weak final girl that you generally get with a horror film, a slasher film. She is very independent she actually calls herself a feminist at
0: one point. Like she's acknowledged as being a feminist several times.
1: They make, this, they make her make this stupid decision where she gets into the bathroom and Shakma's trying to get in. All she had to do was do what she's been doing the last hour and 15 minutes of the movie is just hold the door so that he can't get in. Because the bathroom door for some reason doesn't lock. There's no lock on it. So she all she has to do is stand there and hold the door. And instead, they make her, her character goes away from the door and goes into a bathroom stall that has like the foot gap from the bottom of the stall to the door, knowing full well this monkey is only two foot tall and can easily go right underneath the, the stall to get her. And that's exactly what it does. And there is, she's trying to get, I, And I thought that she was trying to crawl through the vent. Like she was trying to get through the vent to get away. Um, and the vent is not that big. So I'm like, you're not going to fit in it anyways. Because you see her, like there's a shot of the, the stall, like the roof, of the stall. And you see her like trying to get through the vent. And then the monkey pulls her down. And there's about 15 seconds where you just hear the monkey like, and her screaming. And then there's like another shot of you see her like emerge again to grab the vent. And you're like, oh, well, maybe she's going to get away because this is like the main character. Like this is supposed to be like the final girl. This is like Amanda Wiss. And all of a sudden that pulls her down again and that's it. She's dead. And I'm like, what? What? Yeah. And it's a very bland
0: kill. And like I did read online that um, Amanda Wiss was actually like terrified of this monkey in real life so like i wonder if like they were restricted in the sense of what they could do with the scene but like you described the sequence where it's shot over the top of the stall and literally like it is just audio like so what she's trying to do she's trying to call through the vent to like to alert sam but um you're right. Like she, she has this moment where she also seems like she's almost trying to climb through it. And it doesn't really even seem like it makes sense. Maybe it's a desperation act. I don't know, but she does like by doing what she's doing, she completely makes it possible for, for Shockman to get in the room. He drag, he pulls her down and you just hear this audio. And it's really like, it's a lackluster kill, especially like on top of the fact that you don't want her to die to begin with for that to be the payoff. Like you eventually get a reveal of the body, but even that just looks like she's doused in blood aside from some bite marks. Um, but uh, you know, she, so she gets killed. There's this that whole sequence. And meanwhile, upstairs, Sam is looking for Kim and Kim is not supposed to come out unless they say a magic word part of the game so eventually he has that whole sequence where he breaks the glass and she comes out eating cheesecake as you do um and he informs her of all of these things that are going on but he when she brings up her brother because richard is her brother he completely like avoids communicating the fact that richard is dead like he consciously like obviously does not tell her this which ends up being a, a fatal error on his part but it's like The rationale of these characters is just mind boggling, especially him Um, to make it this far in the film and be the character he is. It's it's very disappointing like that. They wrote his character to make the decisions he does. But so, um, so Kim and um, Sam arm themselves with knives and uh, they find that Laura the girlfriend of Richard is waiting outside. And this girl is, listen, she is, she is putting up with it. She's calling this guy's mother saying, Oh, I'll wait a little bit longer for him. Like he is a grown ass man. You're this relationship is unhealthy, but so she's out here waiting for him for I'm guessing a significant amount of time. And so Sam and Kim decide like the best way to get her attention is to like they find a window with like slots in like the metal grating and they decide to like slip spoons through the slots in an attempt to get her attention. And like, this is this character's main story arc is they're trying to like throw spoons at the window of her car as she's listening to the only soundtrack throughout the entire course of the film.
1: But yeah, he finds Kimberly and remember like he's telling her all this stuff. And then her only, her only response is, and I'm like this is. She's like, oh, don't you like my outfit? Remember, she says. Oh
0: my God, she's fawn eyed. She's in love with
1: him. Just told you that he found a bunch of dead Like, there's a rabid monkey running around killing people, and she's like, oh, you don't like my outfit? Yeah, it's it, her character is a simpleton. And after you get like, it's so weird because you get the dynamic, the 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 dichotomy, the dichotomy between like a character like the Tracy character who is a strong female who really is independent and really doesn't really need a man. And then you get this other character who is like this, just desperate for Dick and just like, that's all her focus is in the entire movie is like getting in his pants. It's just so weird. But, and then you think, well, maybe, okay, well, because we're so used to a final girl trope, well, maybe, okay. So now is this Candace Cameron looking thing going to be the final girl?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, at least she is the one that makes the conscious decision to arm themselves with knives.
1: Like, yeah, she's the only one in the entire film to grab a weapon at some point.
0: Yeah. And like, once things start moving and shaking, like she's somewhat competent. Like she, so she's literally like goes through all of the silverware in the entire building, trying to alert this girl, Laura, of their presence. And like, literally there are just shots of this girl sitting in her car, staring blankly forward, listening to like smooth jazz as like spoons are seen, like falling beside her vehicle. And she's just completely like not responsive whatsoever. So then like after the spoons work, she finds like a bag of magic pebbles from the game. And so then she starts chucking pebbles at the car, but those don't work either. It just like, keeps going. It's like
1: 10 minutes of the movie, just throwing shit out a window. And then, then she makes the very smart decision. She finds a flashlight. We're talking about Kimberly. Finds a flashlight and she shines it down at the car and finally gets this Laura bitch's attention. And Laura looks up at the flashlight and sees the flashlight going frantically back and forth. And all all this bitch does, who, like this was the most worthless character in any movie I've ever seen in my entire life. She looks up at the flashlight and she's like, stupid fucking game and she drives away. It's all for naught. Like it literally
0: goes nowhere. Like you literally get just minutes of this girl throwing spoons and pebbles and it just goes nowhere. And that's really like, I guess that sums up this movie in general. A Lots of, lots of sequences that go nowhere. Um, but so Kimberly eventually goes down to the floor where Sam is and she finds Tracy's walkie talking by the bathroom. So she finds Sam and tells him that she found the walkie-talkie by the bathroom so sam begins like a series of ongoing very elongated very slow creeping sequences which you get like six of them of, of sam in his very fitted jeans like just creeping very slowly over the course of multiple minutes from one part of a room to another and so he creeps into the bathroom and he proceeds to find tracy's body and he then proceeds to mourn her death um and this goes on for quite a while
1: yeah he finds her all which he acts like he didn't see her when he walked in the door when he goes in the bathroom he acts like he can't see he doesn't know what's going on but like then when they show her body half of her body's hanging out of the bottom half of the stall like you would have blood everywhere We would have saw it immediately, but it's like played like he doesn't know it right away. He opens the bathroom stall and like looks, and then looks down and sees her. Her whole the whole bottom half of her body was hanging out of the stall, dude. Like really,
0: yeah, yeah. And then he like grabs her bracelet as though it has like some sort of like meaning and mourns into that. Um, And then this begins another like weird trend of actions performed by Sam, in which he like collects her body. And, like, it has, like, a funeral procession for it. Like, he walks her body to, like, an area of the hallway, which, mind you, like, there is, a like, a, a violent monkey on the loose. And he lays her body down. And he, like, he kisses her on the lips. He weeps. And then he goes to Gary. And he, like, repositions Gary. And, like, it literally, like, I'd say, like, 40% of what Sam does over the course of the movie is just carrying people's bodies around. And and slowly, he's everything's so slow. I don't know if they felt like they needed to kill some time, which they very much don't, but it's just so much slow walking. It's everywhere. There's no rushing.
1: No, because this movie is about an hour and 45 minutes long, and trust me, it feels twice as long. Uh, It this movie just drags in parts and it almost becomes, it becomes a chore to really continue watching. Um, Especially when it makes decisions like to kill off, like the only worthwhile character in the whole film in such a lazy, uninspired way. Um, So speaking of that, Kim Kimberly wanders off, and she finds Richard's body, right? And she is then once she finds once she finds Richard's body because she has wandered down to the to the floor where he's dead. Shakma attacks her. Yeah, I
0: mean, her character really just started becoming redeeming in my eyes, and then like they go and they kill her in like a bold choice because she's the last female standing, but uh,
1: she's technically like the last major death of the film and you have. Yeah. To kill off that, a young girl like that, because like I thought like throughout this film, I'm thinking this girl's probably no more than 13, 14 years old. Um,
0: Yeah. And, and what's even worse is the whole sequence. So like she finds the body, she writes a note up on the top floor for Sam saying, you know, if you come back up here, this is where I am. So she and Sam are separated. She goes down to the floor where she knows her brother is. She finds the body and she's almost instantly attacked by Shakma. And the literally the sequence is like, she sees him. He runs in the room. She turns to run. He jumps at her back. And it does like a slow fade to black or to like the next scene. And it's like such a lackluster conclusion to this character.
1: And I guess it's because you're not supposed to know whether she died or not, because then the very next scene is Sam going down to that room that she's in and he sees her shoe and he walks into the room and like, literally it's like a 10 second pause where he, Goes into the room and the camera just focused on the doorway. It's like literally about ten seconds, very dramatic pause. And then all of a sudden, he comes walking out of the room carrying her dead body. And like, what even sucks about this is they've angled it
0: in a way where like you see none of the aftermath. No, and and I almost feel like they maybe only had a certain amount of time with some of the actors, like Roddy McDowell when his, when they find his body, his face is mauled off. So like, I'm pretty sure that after a certain point, it's just like another actor with the face covered, you know? Um, and so with her, like there is absolutely no gore. All you see are like her legs because of the way that Sam carries her out of the room in another slow funeral procession. Um, and he places a blanket over her and then you see like all this blood seep through the blanket, but like, I mean, for the amount of violence and everything, you would you think you would have seen something. So it's all very suggestive and very off camera and super disappointing, considering she is actually the last technical death of the film.
1: But you do have a final boy. You do have a final boy. Again, we we get a final boy here, which is very rare in horror, but it does it does happen. It does pop up occasionally. Uh, so he is able to finally find a room with a phone and because we forgot to mention he does find he does find dr Sorensen's keys yeah, yeah gary they're on he finds them on gary they're in gary's pocket gary had them the whole time so now he has the keys so he's able to get into one of these teachers rooms that has a phone and he actually calls the cops calls 911 and when they answer for some reason i i don't understand he doesn't
0: the cop is literally like, hello,
1: hello. Yeah, he, do- he doesn't answer them. And then he just like hangs up. And I'm thinking, what? Like you don't know. Because revenge, Troy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I-, I understand that. But like, you don't know, like you still haven't found everybody. So you don't know, like, is there somebody that could have been saved if you would have said, hey, send an ambulance? I don't know. But he hangs up. Well, if I, listen, I don't care how pissed
0: off I am. I don't care what rationale there is in my mind that I could possibly take control of this situation. The fact remains, this petite baboon has thus far managed to kill an entire group of people. I would much rather take my chances calling the police and having them bring the proper authorities to to handle this
1: yeah he just hangs up like and he gets he's and then like the very next scene after he hangs up is like the elevator opening and now he's armed with he has one he has the big pole with the um needle at the end of it and he has a has his knife and he's all armed so he he's decided for some reason instead of having the cops come to help him cops who would bring guns tranquilizers, animal control. He's going to go hunt Shockma himself.
0: It's his responsibility, apparently, because they had a relationship that we never actually saw on camera.
1: Shockma doesn't look like he treats Sam any different than he treats any of the other characters.
0: Right, no. There's a few times Shakma maybe pauses a little bit with Sam, but that's about it. Um, Sam, at this point, is also constructed for himself Like arm braces, like out of like thick bandage, which like when it comes down to it, proved to be absolutely worthless against Shakma's mouth. Um, but so Sam basically goes into a situation where he creates this like elaborate, very elaborate trap. Involving like computer cords, like wires placed into like a pool of water, and like a little mouse in a cage to lure Shakma. It's all very elaborate. And like Shakma comes like running on his hind legs like a little man, and everything seems like it would go fine. And then like Shakma steps in the pool of water, and like the power goes out. And when it goes out, it's like the sound of a man screaming. It's like. Wah! it's it's so weird. It's very strange. And it sounds like maybe, I don't know, Shachma maybe exploded or something, but then like, he's not even
1: phased. No, because then he attacks full force, comes and attacks Sam like a rabid little thing that he is. And he really gets the best. It's like, he bites his neck. He tears his tears a big old gouge out of his neck. And Sam is able to stab him with the knife that he luckily got because of Kimberly suggesting they arm themselves. So that Shockman c- kind of goes away. And there's just like this weird moment where Sam backs up against the wall and then Shockman's sitting there and they kind of look at each other for a minute. And like Sam just, start, just like screams. Ah! And Shockman takes off limping away. It's, it's just really odd. Really odd.
0: Yeah, it's very, sh- I mean, maybe that was supposed to be the moment of being like, that that Shakma still knows who he is, but like also there's the fact that like he just stabbed Shakma with a massive knife, and like because this monkey is obviously like a trained monkey, he can't really do anything to it. There's never any blood on him, so like you don't even know if there's any injuries. It's very
1: strange, but yeah, that's what I was wondering because they show after he stabbed Shakma, they show him, and yeah, there's zero blood, there's zero. He just looks and he 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 just hops away normally, like he's not even her not even it's yeah. really odd. Yeah. Um, it's very weird. But Sam Sam gets yeah, Sam gets up and looks in the mirror and his his neck is really bad like it's like there's a big old gouge tore out of his neck. And he um he goes into this room in this was weird, too. Like, I didn't... This starts, like, the final
0: slow-motion walk. Not even slow-motion, it's just how slowly he's walking. Like, for the literally the rest of the film, Sam only moves at a certain pace. And this walk is, like, it's like a strut. His ass looks great. I gotta be real. Like, his ass is kicking. He's covered in blood, but his ass... I need to check out blue lagoon again, even though were they even of age in blue lagoon. I feel like there's something taboo about blue lagoon that I'm forgetting, but, um, so he's, he's strutting through this building at like a snail's pace and he's like bleeding out. Like the entire time there's more and more blood appearing. Like he's clearly like on his last leg. And, um, but he, he basically comes up with this, like elaborate ploy to like, lure shockma and basically
1: like what it consists of is the old the old mirror (laughs) trick yeah so all of a sudden there's a room that has like a whole wall that's a mirror apparently
0: well he like moves a mirror in front of we know that the um incinerator is there because remember the shock almost got incinerated earlier but so basically what sam does is he find he procures a very large mirror and one the size of a wall. And he plants it right in front of the incinerator. And then he calls, he lures Shakma. And Shakma comes running and he tricks it so that his reflection looks like it's standing in the doorway. And Shakma runs at him like he's going to tackle him. And then Shakman said, goes right through the mirror because it was his reflection into the incinerator. And he closes the incinerator door and proceeds to cook Shakma alive.
1: Burns him alive. And the poor monkey is screaming bloody murder. And I kind of felt bad. I'm like, oh. yeah, yeah, I
0: will say I do. I genuinely feel that they literally use the same sound bite of monkey screams and loop them over and over. And it's the same thing. It's the same thing over and over and over and over. Um, but he does manage to cook him alive. And after that happens, he struts away. More slow walking.
1: He struts away, but then he fall he falls um and collapses on the ground and just keeps repeating, I won, I won, and then there just happens to be like some random monkey doll in the corner.
0: Well, you did see there was a shot earlier in the movie where you saw Shockma holding this monkey doll. I think this maybe was like their attempt at like establishing that relationship between Sam. I think it's supposed to imply that Sam gave it to him, but like you saw a shot earlier in the movie where shakma was holding the doll when his little monkey penis was visible because you see shot little monkey penis multiple times flipping and flopping all over the course of this movie too um it's just out and about which i mean i guess it would be for a monkey but it's very obvious in a few shots but yeah that monkey is like symbolic of shakma and uh sam collapses and i don't know if you're supposed to get the idea that he died i mean based off the amount of blood he's losing
1: yeah I would think that he was i my my opinion is he died because nobody knows that they're there um and there's no way that you're gonna live with a huge chunk out of your neck,
0: which thus means that literally Shakma managed to kill everyone in this film, aside from the girlfriend Laura
1: which in it of itself is shocking how? I mean, that's what I'm saying. This little two foot tall baboon was probably one of the more effective serial killers in slasher history because it literally killed everybody and never, not even got, nobody ever even got a fight put in except uh, Sam who stabs him. It doesn't even seem to phase him. Yeah. He had to trick him. He basically had to trick him to his death. There were so many opportunities that they could have found anything. To, to try to fight this little monkey off with, and they just didn't. If you could have gotten a
0: blunt, uh, like, anything, blunt anything, and just beat this thing into submission, you would have been fine. But somehow, some way, Shakma managed to get the best of all of them, and nobody made it. Um, and that is the end of Shakma. It, it concludes with literally everyone apparently dying, or so we suspect. But I don't see how
1: Sam would have lived. Yeah. Yeah. When they, he looks at his neck in the mirror, there is literally a chunk of it just like bit out and blood is just like, Ugh. there's no way he, he lived. Poor thing. Well, so everyone died, even Shachma, So yeah.
0: As a wild baboon will do to you, rip a chunk of your neck out. I mean, they are violent animals. And I guess if there's any moments of fear or, or tension to be taken from this film, it is, it is in the fact that this is, you know, an animal with no form of reason Um, I did, you know, I spoke to a few of my friends who are actually fans of this movie, but fans for the, you know, the right reasons of, you know, this film is absurd. Um, and, um, they, they, they basically voiced that the whole idea is like, you know, this, this thing should, should have been subdued very easily, but somebody out there had heard one of those stories about a, a chimpanzee losing his mind and mauling someone's face and was like, let's run with it. Let's get our hands on a monkey. Let's get our hands on a location. What do we got? Let's write a script and go with it. And uh, it's pretty clear that this movie, <laughs> this movie was made by some people who uh, didn't really um, have a lot of experience. They just managed to get a pretty competent cast together.
1: That's what they did, yeah. I'm wondering, and I still want to know how they got some of these people to agree to do this film. Like I said, I guess, guess maybe on, on paper, it looked a lot better than what it ended up being. But... I mean my I guess my final thoughts on this film is there are I guess some entertaining aspects to it however as a whole it's just really really it suffers from what a horror movie should never suffer from and that's it's really boring yeah yeah it gets really boring it gets really repetitive and when you're sitting there and you try to tell someone, oh, this is a movie about a killer baboon, that should perk you up, and you should be like, mm-hmm. oh yes, I want to watch this. This movie, I'm sorry, is a chore to get through. Mm-hmm. At points, it's too long. It's probably about honestly, it's probably 25 to 30 minutes too long. Um, it's bland. The kills are super bland. Uh, the The whole film just looks bland yeah that's just the word i'm gonna keep using because it's just a bland film
0: well there's unfortunately there's nothing redeeming about it in the sense of i can see why i've never heard of it i mean yeah i think what what like i mean i think the reason that this movie uh has the kind of cult following that it does it, it works in the same way that like a movie like the room works like the fact that this movie came to fruition, the fact that this movie manages to, with the with the concept that it has, it still somehow manages to be extremely boring. I don't understand how. Like you're absolutely right. Like a movie about a killer baboon should be tantalizing to me, <laughs> and it does. I mean, through like just a horrible combination of just like awful locations, really dated costumes really like oftentimes bland characters, awkward storyline, bad, like bland cinematography, like the cinematography is nothing to write home about. It's also flat.
1: Yeah, flat, bland, there's there's the cinematography, there's no, I mean, the shots are very just basic. There's no creativity or vision behind any of them. It's all very flat. It's all like you said at the very beginning. It's all very like lifetime movie. Very much. Or ni- or, or 90s sitcom-ish. Um, and I really feel like the movie could have used somebody to have read the script mm-hmm. maybe a few times and just said, hey, this doesn't work. This isn't, you know, yeah. the, whole, the whole thing with the game just makes zero sense and goes nowhere. Yeah. Um, it's just, I don't know. I mean, there are some entertaining st- aspects to it, but as a whole, yeah, I just, it fell, it fell really flat for me. You, you know, when I watched
0: it the first time though, I'm going to be honest. When I watched it the first time I was laughing my ass off. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah I yeah. enjoyed my experience. I, I, but as i watch watched it progressively more times, like as I'm trying to take it seriously, it's just so hard to see past like the production issues within it. Um, but as a piece of like sticky, like early, very early nineties horror cinema, like there is a comedic value and like a weird entertainment value that I can take away from it. And like, do I want to even say I'd appreciate it? No, but like, I get why it's developed a strange following. It's a very weird movie. Um, I don't think there, I can't think of a single movie like it that suffers from the same things. <laughs> to the same extent. You know what I mean?
1: I would agree. I would agree. And, the, you know, they made the, the monkey got to the monkey was was good. The monkey got to do some some cool things. It's a be, it's a cute little monkey. Um, At times he can be scary in the from the right angles. The monkey gave a good
0: performance. Um, the real star. This one shot, as it should be. And with that, we've got shot, guys. A classic a classic to the very end. Um, and, and, uh, I, I don't think there's much more to say. I, I, still suggest you all check it out just, uh, for, uh, for, um, the experience alone of saying you've done it kind of like people who really like watching that movie, uh, uh a Serbian film. <laughs> like you could say you watch, uh, just get that notch in your belt. Um, you should just to do it, but moving on, um, uh, We got one done and, uh, next week, next episode is also me. So I did go with a a bigger budget production. I did go with something a little, um, a little different. And I decided to go with something that we haven't really touched on yet, which is like outer space aliens, sci-fi, but still horror. So I decided that our next review should be the 1986 remake of, invaders from mars directed by toby hooper icon that he is starring uh, karen black whom we love and uh, featuring um some absurd uh puppeteering aliens and uh, just some wild effects and i think that this one is going to give us a completely different experience from Shockma. Um, in the sense of the scale and what they go for with this one. So I, I think this one's going to be a really fun review.
1: Yes, I have not seen this since I was a kid. So I definitely am going to probably enjoy watching this because it's been a long yeah. time. And I know, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm excited for this one.
0: Yeah, I the reason I picked this one is because I have like very nostalgic memories of it as a child, I remember like the whole sequence of like the sand pit used to terrify me. Um, and so I want to see if that like still kind of like triggers the same responses for me or, you know, if that's still in there, we'll see. I don't know. But Troy, thank you for appeasing me on shock. I knew it wasn't going to be your favorite thing, but it was one of those things that, uh, I figured we had to get it out of the, out of our systems. I feel like it, uh, now we're a real podcast.
1: Yes, I thank you for suggesting it because it is definitely one that I would have never even watched or or, or known about. Uh, I'm glad I got the experience. There, like I said, I'm glad we got to talk about it. Um, so yeah, so yes, everyone, if you have not seen it, watch In- Invaders from Mars for our next episode, so you can kind of follow along with us and and see if you agree with our thoughts. And as always, leave us a review, join our Facebook page, all that fun stuff.
0: Yeah, leave a little love while you're at it. And if you're new and if you haven't heard it, uh, listen to our older episodes, please uh, uh, check them out. I, I, I quite
1: enjoy our uh, our witty banter. I hope you do too. And uh, we got plenty of good ones coming. Yeah, because we're getting up there now. I think this is episode 15 or 16. Oh, look at us. Yeah, right. Real, real podcasters that we are. So proud.
0: Perfect. Well, until uh, until next week, and for something a little uh, out there, a little sci-fi, Troy. I hope you have a lovely week. To our listeners, I hope you all have a lovely weekend. Go enjoy some of that beautiful weather that a lot of us have coming, and we will see you next week with invaders from Mars. Woohoo! Bye. All righty,
1: goodbye.